Esquire magazine had an article last year on 25 skills every man should know. Now, I'm not going to read them all to you. And some of these to me are a little bit debatable. But uh, here was the first one. How to skin a moose. I'm sure in Ruston that's not super applicable. But uh, track him, kill him, gut him, and behead the animal. Remember that this afternoon if you come across a moose and you have to deal with it, okay? Uh, number two, or how to buy a woman clothing. And Esquire says, step number one, just don't. Just don't do it. You young guys, listen to me. If you're going to buy a woman clothes, always buy small. Amen? Well, honey, it doesn't fit you. I'm sorry. You can take this back, right? Is that right? Yes, that's right. I promise you it's right. How to look good in a picture. I think most of us men need that. How to parallel park like a man. I don't know how women parallel park, but I guess there is more of a buff way to do it. How to carve a turkey. I would agree with that. Uh, how to console a crying woman. My advice is, is that you, you don't touch them. You just, you, you kind of, you know, let them know you're there. And then when enough time's gone by, you go, can I have the remote now? And, and uh, that, that's the best way to go about it, probably. This morning, I want to tell you something else. I think men, dads, that you need to know how to do. But not only men and dads, I think every single person in this room needs to know how to do. And the younger you are, uh, the greater this will be. We need to know how to tap into the power of God. We need to know how to get the power of God in our lives, on our lives, in our families. We're going to be in Judges chapter 14, 15, and 16. Don't panic. We're not going to go verse by verse through uh, these three chapters. But we're going to look at these. And we're talking about Samson. If you've been here the last three weeks... And today we're going to talk about the part of Samson that almost everybody's familiar with, and that's the muscle part of Samson, the break things and uh, kill things part of Samson. If you, if you grew up and you don't know much about church, but you went to Sunday school occasionally, you heard about David and Goliath, you heard about Samson, you heard about these people. So we're going to talk about Samson, the power man today, but we're going to apply it to your life and my life. But let's begin with this. Samson had awesome power. Samson had awesome power. In my opinion, Samson was kind of creepy. He was certainly a God slacker. But Samson, Samson was a guy that had unbelievable power. In chapter 14, verse 5 and 6, it says, Samson went down to Timnah. He's looking for a, a woman in an area he's not supposed to be looking for a woman. Together with his father and mother, he ventures off to the vineyards where he's not supposed to be. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. Now, what do you do? You're not packing, you know, back thousands of years ago. A, a young lion comes roaring at you. Your mom and dad are in a different place. What do you do? Die of a heart attack, naturally, right? Not Samson. Let's look at, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power, and he tore the line apart with his bare hands as you might tear a young goat. Several years ago, uh, it was 2013, I was going out to my shed on a Saturday afternoon, and I noticed the shed doors open about that much, and I noticed there was a critter peeking its nose out from under the door. And that critter and my boxer, female boxer, were, were getting kind of nose to nose. And I did a wise thing. I took the dog back inside. I'm so glad I did. And I went in there thinking, I thought it was a possum. So, you know, I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to shoo the possum out or whatever. 
I go in there and I hear the most awful hissing I have ever heard in my life. And I look and in between myself and that cat, thank God, is some chicken wire in a cabinet. And there's this most ferocious looking cat staring at me, making the worst. I've been around cats my whole life, making the worst noises I have ever heard. So what did I do? I, like a real man, I ran to the house. I called Josh. I said, you got to get out of here. we got a bobcat in the shed. So, of course, he comes out there. We know we need reinforcement, so Justin comes too. So there's three cowards now with a shotgun. And so I did the wise thing. I said, Josh, if I die, it'll be worse for the church. You go on in first. And so Josh goes in. It's real funny. You don't remember this, but you were like looking. You, you thought, because we just knew it was, a bob, it was a bobcat or a panther. It had to be one of those two. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> It was like this very, it was big, and it was a very, very, very mean, feral, wild cat. So we, we did have to send it on to heaven, uh, or wherever. That, that cat didn't go to heaven, I'm afraid. I'm, he's in smoking this morning. She is. Uh, but, you know, I thought about that. It took three cowards and a shotgun to get rid of this, uh, this cat. And here Samson tears a lion apart with his hands. In Israel today, if you were to go in Israel, there's not wild lions. But there was a lot of them in, in this day and age. And, and history is choked full of stories about people like Hercules tearing lions apart with their bare hands. And uh, lions are ferocious animals. Vance Kirkpatrick, Vance and Cherry are, are part of our church family, but they've been missionaries in Kenya for years. And I had lunch with him on, on uh, Wednesday, and I asked Vance, I said, Vance, have you ever encountered a lion in the wild? And he said, yes. He said, in fact, one night I was at my house and I heard a lion roar. He says, pretty loud. He said, the next day, I inquired from some other people where that line was. It was two miles from my house, and it was still vivid and loud. Can you imagine what it was like when that line came upon Samson, and then he just easily destroyed it with his bare hands? Chapter 14, verse 19, another story. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, killed 30 of their men, stripped them of everything they had, and they gave their clothes to the guys that he had basically lost a gambling bet to. Now, remember, the Philistines in this story are bad people. They really are. They're like ISIS of today. They're fighting against the Israelites. They Basically, they have them suppressed. And, and, and God had been patient with them, but time's up. It's time that, that they have to be dealt with. Samson's not doing it the proper way, but God was using him to fight and kill the enemy. So think about how this, the power this guy is, is he just goes and he completely dominates 30 grown men and kills them easily, like, like it's nothing at all. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, our story continues. Later on at the time of the, the wheat harvest, is probably about May, Samson took a young goat and he went to see his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room, but her father would not let him go. Remember Samson, if you were here last week, he, there was like a seven-day wedding feast. He leaves before it's all over, and her dad gives his wife-to-be before the marriage is consummated to one of the groomsmen. I was so sure that you thoroughly hated her, he said. I gave her to your friend. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Isn't that a great dad? (laughs) Hey, look, the younger girl's pretty anyway. You know, the older one. 
Samson said to them, this time I have the right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and he caught 300 foxes. Now, the, the way this sounds, he just did it easy. He catches 300 foxes. He ties them, uh, t- their tails in pairs, takes two, ties their tails together, just like it's nothing. And, and then he, he puts a torch on each of them and he lets them loose. They go through the standing grain. You, that, that maybe that's the picture of the, the corn in the field. He burns up the shocks, the standing grain, the shocks. That's the, that's the harvest that's already in the barn. Together with the vineyards and the olive groves. Completely destroys their economy. Completely destroys their food source and their source of uh, liquid beverage. Completely devastates and destroys them. Uh, they're not happy, as you can imagine. In verse 6 through 8, the Philistines asked, Who did this? And they were told, Samson, the Temanite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his friend. So the Philistines went up and burned her father and her to death. I told you earlier, these are wicked people. To get revenge on him, they go and burn alive the woman and her dad. Samson said in verse 7, since you've acted this way, I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. And he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. And he went down and he stayed at a cave in Edom. Edom was about two miles from Bethlehem where Jesus was born. But what happened in this scenario, again, really Samson's a selfish, self-centered person. But God's using him for his purposes to destroy the enemy and basically, after they burned his mother-in-law, uh, his dad-in-law, and his uh, wife-to-be to death, Samson, it says, he viciously attacked them and killed many, many, many of them. But violence always begets violence. And, and we see as this story goes on in verse 9, the Philistines went up and camped in Judah near where Samson's hiding. And they spread out near Leah. And the man of Judah asked, why have you come to fight us? We have come to take Samson, the prisoner, to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men, listen, 3,000 men from Judah went to go get Samson. You are a bad mamma jamma if 3,000 men come to your house to get you. Amen? I mean, my house, the sheriff shows up, and I'm going to go right there, right? 3,000 men. Don't you realize the Philistines are rulers over us? Now, here's the punky thing about this. The men of Israel wouldn't stand up. They were supposed to be standing up to the Philistines. They wouldn't stand up. They said, why, why? here's what he said, come and tie hand you, and hand you over the Philistines. Samson said, you do that. Verse 13, agreed, they answered. We'll tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him from the rock. As he approached Leah, the Philistines came toward him shouting like a battle cry. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And these new ropes, which would have been strong, they just popped off his arms. And finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and he struck down a thousand men. We have a picture of, of a donkey's jawbone, kind of what it would... Um, what it looks like. It's, it's, you know, nine inches to a, a foot. It's going to weigh a pound or two. It, it probably, the one he would have used like this would have had teeth in it because it would have had to have been fresh so that it, uh, it wouldn't have been brittle and broke easy. Uh, part of that, uh, just kind of the way that all unpacks is that it's not as much about the weapon, it's about the man. And we don't know if Samson stood in a place where they could only come at him one or two at a time. But however you kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, you are a bad, powerful guy. 
strong, awesome, unbelievable power. One more story this morning. Chapter 16, verse 1 through 3. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. Stories never go well when it begins like that. He went to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and they lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying, at dawn we will kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and he took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all, lifted them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hills that face Hebron. I want to let you see a, a, a kind of a picture of an ancient city gate. A lot of times they look like this. They had guards here. They probably didn't have guards there that night. I think Samson's presence had created so much chaos. They were around here, but he must have been able just to walk past them. This was wide enough for at least one chariot, maybe two chariots to go through at a time. And it, was, it had to be big enough to be protective. City gates were also a place where the, the elders gathered, so they were an important place, a significant place. And he goes and he gets, he gets the city gates and he pulls them, the, 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 the doors, the gates, the bars, basically from the foundation. He pulls it up, puts it on his shoulders. Now the text lends itself to one of two things. Either he walked 35 miles to a hill at Hebron or near Hebron with these gates or he walked up uphill to a hill that faced Hebron. And then he throws these things down. We don't know for sure, but we know these gates had to weigh hundreds, maybe thousands of pounds. And then he just picks them up like he's picking up a sack of feed, puts them on his shoulders, and walks off. How many of you agree this is a man who has unbelievable power? He has unbelievable power. Brian Shaw is the world's strongest man. That's a pretty intense looking picture, isn't it? Brian Shaw is six foot eight and he weighs 434 pounds. Brian Shaw has won the strongman competition, if you're familiar with that, where they pick up, they don't just lift weights, they pick up rocks and ladies in wheelchairs and, you know, all kinds of things and carry them and bench press them. Uh, he's won the, the strongman competition three years, 2011, 2013, and 15. Just uh, for some of you athletes, he, he can squat over 800 pounds, and he can deadlift almost 900 pounds. And I'm not exaggerating this. Samson could pick him up and spank him. <laughs> Easy. Sam, Samson had unbelievable power. But here's the second part. You can't miss this. Unbelievable power comes from God. Unbelievable power comes from God. When you were a kid, what did you picture Samson looking like? I'm going to be honest with you. I pictured Samson as a bodybuilder. We have a picture of a bodybuilder. <laughs> wow, that's Josh. I've never seen him with his shirt off. That, that is impressive, isn't it? Okay, minus the face, that is what... I picture, Janelle's not happy with that, Josh, I can tell. Uh, she's not going to be happy with you now that she's seen that, right? Okay, when, when I was a kid, I always thought Samson was like this. I thought he had to be buff, big, you know, because he's Samson. But then I've, I've had some other people say, no, he was probably, may even been kind of wimpy. So we have another picture of... Um, 
there's Napoleon Dynamite with, well, that looks like Zach, doesn't it? With, um, with, with Zach's picture on there. So, so, was Samson, was Samson Arnold or was he Napoleon Dynamite? Josh, who was leading our worship today, he told me this, uh, we were talking two weeks ago, I think Josh is right. Samson probably was an average looking guy. You'd have seen Samson, you wouldn't have thought anything about his physique. Now, you would have noticed his hairdo. <laughs> you know, who cuts your hair? Oh, nobody. I'm a, n- nobody ever has cut my hair. Delilah, who we're going to see in, in the next week or two, is the one that brings him down. She inquired over and over and over, what is the source of your power? If he would have been really buff, I think it would have been easy to say, hey, the source of your power is you take steroids and work out eight, eight hours a day. She didn't say that. What was the source of his power? In chapter 14, verse 6, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. Almost every passage where it mentions a miraculous thing he does, it begins with this, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. Sadly, in chapter 16, verse 19 and 20, listen to what it says. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man in to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and he began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you, and he woke up from his sleep, and he thought, I'll go as before and shake myself free. But look at this. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. See, his hair was an outward symbol of the power of God. Samson's strength was not in his bicep. It was in the power of God. And I don't think he ever got this. I'm not sure he ever got this. I think Samson began to believe the press about him. Yeah, I really am bad to the bone. Yeah, look, I can do anything I want to do. And see, that's the problem with some of us, honestly, is we don't understand where the real power comes from. We think it comes from our intellect. We can win an argument. We have a degree. Or we have big houses. Or we have money. Or we have influence. Or our mom and dads are powerful. Or we've been in Ruston for 50 years. And so we're established. And we can do what we want to. All that, all that can be snuffed from us in just a heartbeat. G. Gordon Liddy was a, he was a, and still is, I guess, a powerful guy. He was a lawyer for Nixon. He went to prison for Richard Nixon and Watergate scandal in the 70s. He was an Army military officer. Listen to what he once said about himself. I have found within myself all I need and all I shall ever need. I am a man of great faith, but my faith is in G. Gordon Liddy. I have never failed me. You know what? I hope he changes his mind before at some point God shows him that's not true. Because I want to tell you this this morning, great power comes from God. Do you hear me? Great power comes from God. You may have some strength and influence, and that's fine, and that's dandy, and I'm all for that. But great, unbelievable power, it can't be bought. It comes from God. It can't be reasoned. It can't be grasped. It comes from God. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Friend, if you can create the heavens and earth, you've got power. The Bible describes the power of God is able to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. That's power. 
Show me your money and then let's go to the funeral home. I want to see you pull somebody up from the grave. I want to see me or anybody else speak and there's light. <laughs> I want to see any of us speak and the, and, and the water is, is at its boundaries. Luke 18, 27, Jesus said, There's things which are impossible with you. You and I know that, but nothing's impossible with God. Folks, buy into this. God is the source of awesome power. God is the source of awesome power. But here's something that is so wonderful for you and me this morning. Is that unbelievable power is available to us. God's power is available to you and me. Hebrews 13, 18 is a wonderful verse. Jesus says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus Christ that pulled miracles off 2,000 years ago, that, that worked through Samson, is the same Jesus Christ available to you and me today. Folks, the power of God, God's biceps not any weaker today than it was in Samson's day. It's available for you and me, but I want to tell you this. God's power is not available for rent. You don't use it. You don't manipulate it. Some of us think God's like Santa Claus. Just when we need something or want something, we can go to him and he's got to give it to us. Yeah, we believe God's all-powerful. God's powerful is available to you and me, but it's a power we have to submit ourselves to. You've got to put yourself under God for the power of God to be available to you. How many of you want the power of God in your life? Let me walk you through some things the power of God can do for you. Maybe it will be some miraculous event. I don't... I don't know today, I hope today you don't have to pick up a jawbone of a donkey and beat somebody out of your front yard. (laughs) Maybe at some point in your life there will be a powerful event you have to pull off. God can do it. Here's another more practical thing. Maybe it's just to do the right thing. Some of you today, I know me personally, we struggle with doing the right thing. We want to do miracles. We want to see miraculous. We just can't do the right thing. We can't be the right kind of person. Listen, the power of God is available for you and me to be able to do the right thing, to make the right choices, to live for God as we should. I want to tell you another thing. The power of God can make you a bold witness for Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, please listen to this. We will talk about football, and I love to talk about football. We'll talk about baseball. We'll talk about politics. We'll talk about the weather. We'll talk about money. But when it comes to Jesus, we're like little turtles. We crawl in our shells and hide, don't we? Either we're lost, we don't know Christ, so we don't have anything to tell. Or we're not close enough to Christ that it spills over out of our lives. Or we're just sissies. In Acts chapter 4, it talks about the disciples praying and the power of God filling them and they went out with boldness. People around you are dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, the power of God will give you boldness to help people come to Christ. You need that and I need that. Let me tell you something that may be in our future. And that's enduring persecution for Jesus Christ. I think it's coming in America. I hope it's a long way down the road, but it may not be. We're standing up for Jesus and saying you believe the Bible and you're going to follow Christ. You may be persecuted for that. How many of you are willing to do that? Don't raise your hand, but are you willing to, are you willing to suffer for Jesus? Kayla Mueller was a 26-year-old girl who was killed by ISIS in February of this year. 
She was a Christian over there in that part of the world on a humanitarian mission. The last letter her family got from her is really neat. It was so encouraging. She basically said, I may be locked up in prison, but I'm free in Jesus Christ. And she said, you don't worry about me. I'm going to be okay. You know what? if, If somebody ever puts a gun to my head and said, do you believe in Jesus? I hope I can scream it with a smile on my face. But you know what? You can do that with the power of Christ. God will, en- will enable us to endure persecution. Listen, maybe for you it's just enduring something. Maybe you're in a situation that you can't get out of. A work situation, a relationship that you maybe you don't need to get out of. And it's tough and it's hard. The power of God that was in Samson is available to you and me to be able to endure even tough struggles and situations. Isn't that great? No, it's not really, is it? I'm not talking about hell. This is good. Let me give you another thing. God's power is the power to meet needs in your life, friend. Some of you got needs today and you're wondering, can God meet these needs? Can these things happen in my life? This great story, a lot of it's a great story. Some of it's not. It's when the Jewish people, God rescued them from Egypt. You mean, how many of you remember that story? And millions of them, it was probably a couple of million, left Egypt. And God's plan was for them to go in the desert, be there a while, and then to to go in the promised land. But they took a vote, and three voted to go in the promised land, and a million voted against it. And the majority was wrong, so God said, okay, if you want to be in the desert, great, you can be in the desert. You're going to wander in the desert, you're going to die. And after 40 years, I'm going to bring your kids, everybody that's under 20, uh, into the promised land. So for 40 years, millions of people were in the desert with no McDonald's, no water fountains, uh, and God had to provide for them. Listen, this is just rough but good estimates of what it took. You're feeding a couple of million people every single day in the desert. Probably about 1,500 tons of food. That's that's about a train three-fourths of a mile long full of food every single day for the people in the desert. You've got to provide water. Probably needed about 11 million gallons of water, 11 million gallons of water every day to drink and to clean and things like that. That's a train about three miles long just with water every day. The campsite every night, every night when the Jewish people camped, their campsite was two-thirds the size of the state of Rhode Island. Think about that. Rhode Island may not be big, but two-thirds the size of Rhode Island. And for 40 years, God took care of them. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? And see, you're wondering, and you're wondering, can God take care of my money? Can God take care of my health? Can God take care of my situation? If God can take care of 2 million Jews for 40 years in the desert, God can meet your needs too. That's great. What about a great change? Some of you need some changes in your life. And you're sitting on your hands. You're not acting. You're afraid. You don't know if you can do it. You need to make some changes. I want to tell you the power of God that was in Samson is the power of God for you and me that can can see you through any change that needs to happen. And I want to give you one last thought. The power of God is the power of a fresh start. Some of you need a fresh start this morning. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's just with you and God. 
One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Folks, one of the neatest things is that if you're not a Christian this morning, you'll bow your knee to Jesus Christ, that he'll change you today. He'll give you a new life that you can leave here this morning on your way to heaven forever. That's the greatest miracle there is. But I want to go back to this. You can't rent the power of God. You can't visa the power of God. You can't manipulate the power of God. You've got to get under God for His power to be on your life. There's a great Old Testament story in the book of Joshua. One of the leaders goes out. They're getting ready to go to battle and he bumps into an angel. That would always be an interesting thing, wouldn't he? Bumps into an angel and he asks the angel, he goes, are you on our side? Here's what the angel said. I'm not on anybody's side. What he meant was, I'm with God. I'm on God's side. You see, you're wanting God to be on your side. I want God to be on my side. We're like little kids when the parent comes in. They're, they're fighting. and They want mom and daddy to take their side. A good parent doesn't take good side. The parent's the, parents, the side of truth and right. The kid needs to get under the parent. Not get the parent on their side. And what God's saying to you and me this morning is that the power of God is available to us, but we got to get ourselves under God for the power of God to be real in our lives. So I want to ask you today, will you put yourself under the power of God? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, man, do you, do you want God's power in your life? If you do, you've, you've got to make some adjustments to put yourself under God. Will you do that? If you're not a Christian, if you're unsure of a Christian, you're a Christian, would you pray with me where you are right now and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son and that you died for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And today, I give my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand, and I want to challenge you to respond to what God said to you. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus into your life. Are you ready to do that? We'll be down here waiting on you. And when we stand, you come this morning, and you seal that deal with Christ. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church fellowship. We would love for you to do that. And one way you can do that is when we stand, you come. We'll be down here waiting on you. You're here this morning and you're a Christian. Some of you today, you are living outside of the power and the blessing of God. You need to repent. You need to put yourself back under God. Maybe you'll be standing or maybe at the altar. Maybe you just want to come and pray and let us pray for you. Whatever it is, let's stay.